Hey folks, welcome to a special edition of Stay Tuned. We usually don't tape uh, uh, on odd days. We're recording this in the on the evening of After Hours, on the evening of January 6th, Wednesday, and I'm joined by my friend and special guest, Ann Milgram. And the reason we're taping is it's been quite a day in American history, I think. Um, and I don't know if you'll agree with me, but the, the day started out pretty great. I was in a pretty good mood with the news out of Georgia, that it seemed like both Democratic candidates had won, that Senate control was going to pass to the Democrats, my former boss, Senator Charles Schumer, was going to become the Senate Majority Leader. Then we got news sort of mid-morning or late morning that our very close dear friend and friend of this podcast and podcast host in her own right for CAFE, Lisa Monaco, is going to be nominated to be the next Deputy Attorney General of the United States. So lots of good vibes, lots of good feelings. And then everything turned dark this afternoon, as you all know, with basically an insurrection at our nation's capital, provoked by, incited by, the President of the United States. And by the way, those aren't my words. Those are the words of the former President George W. Bush, who called it an insurrection incited by Donald Trump. And so I went from feelings of euphoria and elation and optimism to feelings of anger and sadness and disbelief over the course of three or four hours. Um, and Ann and I were texting each other, and we thought we we may, maybe partly to inform, but also partly as therapy for us, we should get together remotely from our homes and talk about it for a few minutes. And and how angry are you? Um, it's it's hard almost to put in words how both angry and also heartbroken I feel by what we saw today. And I would echo what you said, Preet. This morning I woke up seeing the Georgia win um, for Warnock and then later today seeing it, the other race called for Ossoff and, and just having this sense of a lot of things that really matter in our country right now, getting COVID under control, getting the vaccine to, to all Americans, it helps those things enormously. And just feeling just a, a real sense of relief in yeah. the morning yeah. from that. And then and then seeing Merrick Garland, who we'll talk about this more, I know next week, Merrick Garland, who is a you know deeply, deeply well-respected, apolitical, thoughtful- Honorable. Lawyer who just, uh, a very honorable, just a man of integrity um, and good judgment. And you know there, there are so many other ways to say it, but just someone who- who I think we both respect a great deal, seeing him nominated to be attorney general, Lisa Monaco, who I think is one of the most extraordinary um, lawyers and human beings in in the entire world, become the deputy AG. Vanita Gupta to be the associate attorney general. Also She's an friend, extraordinary. Yeah. Yes. Also no, it's an amazing friend, team. Really it's just, amazing team. It's an amazing team. It's an team. amazing team. A great civil rights leader. Kristen Clark, who I worked with at DOJ, also phenomenal. And so it just made me feel really, and, and I sort of stopped to mention that because it made me feel really good about the institutions of our government and about the rule of law. And like this feeling- but they can't take office and I think that for another few weeks. They can't take office. Yes, so but I sort of had this, this interim time, <laughs> Right. Yeah. And then no, I all did this too. happened. And yeah, you and I talked also on Tuesday, and I think one of the other things I wanted to ask you about, and I know there's so much for us to cover, but on Tuesday, I mean, we both said just yesterday. It feels it feels like it was a million years ago, but just yesterday, Tuesday, we both you're said uttering as that, if it was four weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about it like it was a million years ago because um, it, it feels that way. We both said that 
this was a, a stunt in some ways, that this was, you know, what Josh Hawley was doing, what Ted Cruz was doing, what Donald Trump was calling on Mike Pence to do to disregard his his constitutional obligations, that it wasn't going to work. And you and I, I think, were working really hard to make sure that that listeners understood that you know, Joe Biden will be president. And so there was something about watching today what is supposed to be just a symbol and and the peaceful transfer of power turn violent and then watching the this and we should talk about the images um in the United States Congress, but it 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 did make me angry. And it also, you know, it made me heartbroken. I think our country lost, uh, you know, it, it's a it's a it's a it was it's a very, very sad and I think deeply disappointing day for our our country as a whole. Yeah. Look, we're not Belarus. No offense to the people of Belarus. You see people, you know, breaking down the doors, breaking down windows to get into the Capitol building, which you and I have spent a lot of time in, in our prior lives. A woman was shot and killed. We don't know all the details yet. There's a woman who's dead because this mob descended upon the Capitol and somehow were able to gain access. Not only you know, to the periphery of the Capitol, but they went to the House floor. They went to Nancy Pelosi's and office. And the Senate floor. And the Senate yes. floor. There's there's a, a picture I took, a screenshot I took of, of CNN, because I couldn't believe it. There's there's an armed standoff. I can't believe house, that picture on the, in house, the House of Representatives. And, and, you know, people engaging in, you know, all sorts of violence, people carrying guns, uh, and... Into the United States Congress, where Into they're the prohibited Congress. by anyone other than law so, enforcement. Yes, I want to come back to something that you and I have been texting about all day, which is what was going on with the police force. But uh, our, our friend Joyce Vance made a good point uh, on social media earlier, and she said, "You know, there, there's time to talk about, and we should talk about the lacking police presence and how they dealt with the rioters and the mob. But before we do that, we should acknowledge where the blame lies." And, and who was fomenting this and who was inciting this. And I think even people who have been kind of silent about the president uh, and pulled their punches about the president, even they today, you know, <laughs> 14 days away from the end of his term, finally are acknowledging that the president is dangerous and the president has blood on his hands from this. Is there any other way of thinking about it? Well, the speech the president gave... It- Remember that the president called on his supporters to come to Washington today for this specific event, and right. there angrily. was there was angrily. considerable angrily, and there was a lot of reporting about the president's call to action to get people to come to D.C. and that he's also been tweeting and out there in the media all week long talking about trying to get Pence to to not agree to certify the electors. And as as we know, it's a pretty administrative role for the vice president. The vice president didn't have power to do what the president was asking him, but the president was calling on his supporters to show up. He then went to that protest today to address that protest. And he said, quote, And after this, we're going to walk down and I'll be there with you. We're going to walk down. We're going to walk down anyone you want, but I think right here, we're going to walk down to the Capitol. And we're going to cheer on our brave senators and congressmen and women. And we're probably not going to be cheering so much for some of them. Because you'll never take back our country with weakness. You have to show strength and you have to be strong. 
he encouraged his supporters at that rally to go to the Capitol. And there were already a large number of people who were at the Capitol. And it was shortly thereafter that that people broke through barricades. They they went to the Capitol. And, and we should point out the violence of this. It's both that people were armed um, who entered the Capitol building. It's also that they took it looked like, and and there's been a lot of footage of this on the media, but they took plexiglass to break the glass. I mean, it's breaking and entering into a federal building, and it's not just any federal building. Like this is the home. It's of the, the seat United of States democracy. Where laws are made. It is of the, the United seat of States of America. I mean, I mean, I've traveled, for, you know, by those subways from the Senate buildings, as as you did many times, and also from the House buildings. I mean, it's. I don't mean to be corny, but if there's going to be a day to be corny, today is is the day. It. It's like a temple of democracy. I, I never walked into the rotunda or I never walked onto the floor of the Senate. You know, only s- some Senate staffers have access to the Senate floor. And I never walked on any of those, I w- never walked in any of those places without sort of thinking this is an unbelievable place to be and what a privilege it is to be there. And the idea it's of those places- that you place. know, it's, it's a hallowed place. It, yes. My first job ever was as a United States congressional page in the House of Representatives. I, I was 15 that. years old when I, yeah. And I, so it it is very formative in my mind. And and I cannot tell you how many, you know, days and nights I spend on the, the floor of the United States House of Representatives. And and just, I have the, the deepest regard. And I, I I'm certainly complain about members of Congress sometimes. But I have the deepest regard for for the institution and for what the men and women who serve there are trying to do, which is to make laws. When I saw that picture of the barricade of the front door to the House of Representatives with with you know armed law enforcement drawing guns to keep out violent, uh, they're not protesters, rioters. You know whether we call it riot insurrection. I mean, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if you've gotten this question, but a lot of people have asked me. You know, is this sedition? Um, you know, the violent overthrow of government. It is. It is just. Uh, you know, and we can debate. I think in the future what what we should call it. But just that image, it just brought home to me so powerfully that our government, like we just take for granted that it will be a peaceful transfer of power and that we will have free and fair elections. And we did have a free and fair election. And the president of the United States, we should also just talk for a minute. And I don't want to, I'm, I'm giving him too much airtime, I think, but you know, when people told him after the protests had, had gone this incredibly violent way and, and the president's supporters stormed the Capitol and it basically took possession of the house of representatives and the Senate the president went to a videotape and basically said, you know, the election was stolen from us. And and, he mildly said probably because he was forced to, but I mean, not forced to, because no one can force him to do anything, but was uh, impressed upon to do something and tell people to be peaceful and go home. He had that very weak tweet, but in the, but in the context of telling people to sort of, you know, not be violent, he also fed them the lies. He said another tweet where he said, always yeah, remember this day. Yeah, I mean, he started day. with the lie. No, he's encouraging them. You know, look, the other reason that I blame Donald Trump and his enablers is it's a combination of things. It's the combination of lying about the election over and over and over again from the biggest bully pulpit in the world and then inciting them to come and to go to the Capitol, provoking them. And then when, you know, the pyromaniac that is Trump has lit the fire, he does nothing to mitigate. You know, the reports are that you know, he he had no interest in telling people to stand down. He likes, he, I forget where this is from. Um, 
and I'll remember it eventually after we're done taping, I'm sure. But but some people just want to see the world burn, particularly after they've lost something, and that's him. But we, we should talk about some of the sort of more legal law enforcement aspects of this. As much as we blame Trump, you know, talking about mitigation, there was notice, there was forewarning that there was going to be this big demonstration on the part of perhaps angry, violent people. And we know that DC is no stranger to protests, whether it's Black Lives Matter or something else. And we and we see and have seen how strong the police response can be with respect to rioting. And I, I haven't seen all of it, and this is, you know, still unfolding, but you know, a lot of these folks were able to get a little bit too easy access to the US Capitol. And there is some footage that I saw today that's that's very disturbing, where it looks like there are some law enforcement officials, I don't know if it's Capitol Police or other folks who are kind of letting folks approach the building. So how do you feel about the police response? Yeah, I, I think I think that um, I think this is a really poor, important part of the conversation. And I, I want to agree with you strongly that I think, you know, the, the blame for what happened today lies with the president of the United States. And we should be very clear about, you know, even when he gave that that sort of speech saying, go home, he was busy saying, you know, the election was stolen from you and I love you guys. Ivanka was tweeting out about calling the people there who calling them patriots um, as though there were something noble about what was happening when it is the exact opposite. It is it is efforts to undermine our democracy. So I, I think we just have to make, make it really clear where the blame lies. That being said, there was notice that this was coming. We have seen, I mean, remember when the president had the square in front of the White House cleared so he could go to the the, the chapel right across the street. We have seen the National Guard. We have seen use of force. We know that there were a lot of conversations about the number of people that were coming and, and some concern that was expressed. It is really almost impossible for me to understand how they did not have more officers who were present there. Because one thing I will note is just looking at it, it did not appear to me that there were enough officers present. And and again, I think Joyce is right that we can talk about this down the road, but people have to understand that when something like this happens, the responsibility of the Capitol Police is they have a lot of responsibilities at the same time. The Secret Service is getting Mike Pence out. There are individuals who protect the leadership of the House and Senate. They have to be gotten out. The rest of the members of Congress have to be secured because they don't, you know, there was later reporting that there was a pipe bomb that was found near the RNC, the Republican National Committee. And so it, you're just in a very intense threat environment. People are breaking through the glass to the United States Capitol, storming the floor of the House and Senate. And so there's just, there's a lot of tasks that have to be done that require that you have enough officers. And it looked like they they might not have. The other question that a lot of people have asked is why were people not arrested? Yeah, how many arrests? Um, so the I, report I, think, I saw, just, just, just so we could, you know, at, at this point, we're recording this at 8 p.m. on Wednesday evening, total of 13 arrests. Maybe that's not correct, but that's a small number as I'm sure you'll say in a second. That was an information provided by DC earlier, yes. Yeah, 13 yeah, arrests. Yeah, a, a very small number of arrests, which it seems, and we should also just note, and I think a lot of people have probably seen this picture, but I was reminded of the photograph of what Congress looked like in preparation for the Black Lives Matter protests. And there were- Rows and rows of armed- Rows of- Law completely armed, riot yeah. gear, yeah. law enforcement outside. And so, you know, th there are a lot of questions I think that will need to be answered. Um, and, and there is time for that going forward. Look, I mean, I'm just hopeful. Again, we're sitting here at eight o'clock and 
I'm hope I, I I mean I here's my question for you is like you know, does this get resolved peacefully tonight? And do we, like, how do we think about additional protest in the next two weeks? I mean, you know, I'm Joe Biden worried. doesn't become president. Yeah. I'm, I'm very worried. And and what's interesting is at this moment, as we said earlier, there are people who have kind of been silent before who are talking about the 25th Amendment, um, who are talking about impeachment, even though there's only two weeks left. And that's, I think there's a real galloping concern that this man is not fit to continue leading in office for two weeks. And I wonder if now that both the House and the Senate are in the hands of the opposing party, if there are things that they can do, I think the 25th Amendment remains, you know, a reach, even though I think it may be appropriate at this point. I, 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 think, there, I think it's time for radical action. And I'm not, as people know, neither you nor I are radical people. And today's events are so shocking and the evidence that the, that the president is utterly unhinged and out of his mind and crazy with envy and anger is, is becoming so clear that he doesn't care about violence. He doesn't care about burning down the principles of democracy in this country. What he cares about is A, remaining in power, and if that's not possible, B, saving face, and in combination with that, C, attacking and hurting his adversaries, including the incoming president of the United States, who's going to be the president for all of us. He's a dangerous man. He's a dangerous man right now. Now, with respect to the people who are being arrested, I think there will come a time where there will perhaps be accountability because some of these people are bragging on social media. Some of these people are on videotape. Some of these people may have been stopped and, and IDs uh, seen by by officers. And, yes, and in, I in agree part, with that. Yeah. Look, as a tactical matter, and based on some of the videos that I've seen, if you've got one officer in a stairwell and there are 18 people coming up, the idea of yeah, arresting you one, arrest. you, you, you can't exactly. do that. You got to do it later yeah. because they were overwhelmed. But it is true that the crowd ultimately dissipated and the National Guard came out and the FBI SWAT team came out. And the question I have, again, not to divert blame at all, shift it, but why weren't they there in place at the outset to prevent yes, the overrunning I, I of our capital. Why, I would ask why they weren't there at the outset. I would also ask why it took them so long to respond. And, you know, if you follow the reporting on the National Guard, right, D.C. is not a state. Um, and so the mayor has to appeal to federal um, officials in order to get the National Guard to be present. And the conversations took place about that with the vice president, with, you know, senior ranking members of Congress, not the president, right? And so, you know, there's there's a, a real question in my mind of of whether there was any, I, I don't know the answer to this, but I would really very much like to know, was there, you know, a, a sort of dragging of the heels by the federal government in responding to this? Like, you cannot let, you cannot let armed individuals take possession of the United States Congress. And so, you know, Chuck Ramsey, who I respect a lot, is the former chief of DC, of um, Philly, of Chicago, basically said, you know, you gotta, you gotta get people out. You gotta take, you know, you gotta take control back, right? He and was angry. So, you know, did I you was hear, watching. Did you hear he him? He was angry. Yeah, he was he, really angry. He was angry. And look, and and he he also, I think, is incredibly talented and, and knows how to run situations like that. But, you know, what he said was true. Like, we were essentially watching for hours when no one was taking control of the situation. And even if, you know, the first incident 
shouldn't have happened. Like the door should not have been breached. But even if, even if we sort of move beyond that point at the next moment, once it's happened, the reaction was way too slow. Um, and, and it's, you know, again, I'm not expecting the men and women who are clearly like outnumbered and, and we're dealing with individuals who were armed and like, there, they there are never a lot should of reasons have been in that why position. they Look, might not. In that building, yes. in that building was the sitting vice president of the United States of America. And in that building, I believe, was also, unless I'm mistaken, but I think it was the case, the incoming vice president of the United States, United States senator, both of whom were taken to secure locations. You can't take that kind of chance. And then obviously, not to, den- not to denigrate the members of Congress, you know, basically an entire branch of government and the leaders of another branch of government were all in one building with violent mob people outside the building. So I think there was a failure in a lot of ways. And then you think about not just the damage to credibility here in the in this country, but how does it look in the rest of the world? I, I was getting texts, I was getting texts from lots of people today, including from folks who were in DC who were saying they were okay and you know about whom I was worried. But also I've gotten some texts from people who live in other countries. Like what is going on in America? Like what is going on in America? And, you know, part part of the reason we did this, we had some lovely tweets from people who said, it'd be great if you and Ann came and talked about this. We could hear your, we'd love to hear your calm voices. I don't feel very calm. I mean, I'm ultimately very confident that this will be resolved, that Biden will be sworn in, that cooler heads will prevail. Um, so so I'm I'm overall optimistic and calm i am i am but, too but i'm but a little you know, not about the next 14 I days have, yeah yeah and and the question i have i i have sort of two questions which is one will there be accountability um and what will that look like and i i think that's a really important um part of the conversation going forward because you know there has to be a line and when that line gets crossed there has to be accountability otherwise you know, you sort of moved where the line is in the United States of America of what we think is okay and isn't okay when it comes to democracy and elections. And you know, I, I, I think it's, I think it's a really important question of will there be accountability and what will that accountability look like? Um, and you know, look, we all of us have, you know, spent a lot of time talking about over the last couple of years of, well, the biggest form of accountability for the president is to, you know, vote him out of office. Um, and we did that. We did there's that. A challenge. We did, we did that. that. Exactly. And and I think like that's the point in my mind is like, okay, well, you know, that's supposed to be the thing, right? And and to yeah. see this sort of armed insurrection is really is really troubling. Um Yeah. So I I guess the the final point, we just wanted to do a quick addressing of the topic for folks, uh, not belabor it, and we'll talk about it at greater length, having digested more information next Tuesday on the Insider Podcast. But you know, there have been some extraordinary statements by Republicans not people who are big fans of Trump, which I appreciate. Mitt Romney has said some very strong things. He said some things before. But there's a statement from the former president, George W. Bush. I cited him at the outset. You know, it's a pretty strong statement from the last Republican president who served two terms to to, to basically call out the president of his own party who succeeded him uh, for inciting violence. So, you know, I don't know if this is a watershed moment or not. It comes a little bit late, and it comes while an angry president still has two weeks left in office. But you know, do you hold out hope for you know sort of a, a you know a circle of fire building around Trump so he can't do more damage? You know, I I 
I I do hold out some hope and and I not that Trump is going to act differently than we've seen him act during the past 4 years but I I thought George W Bush's statement it was it was very strong um you know and basically uh, it, like he couldn't have called it out in in any more like he he basically laid it on the line and I think the divide now is or or the question now is you know the the flag that the that the rioters put up outside the Capitol, it wasn't the U.S. flag, it was the Donald Trump flag. And the Republican Party, you know, faces this incredible pivotal moment is, you know, they've always been a party that adhered to the Constitution, right? I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying both Democrat and Republican, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not saying either party is perfect, but both parties have always, you know, very much adhered to the rules and norms of, of, sort of democratic leadership and elections. And this is really a transgression on that. And so the question in my mind is like, I believe that there are Republicans who do not want to be the party of Trump and and want to follow the constitutional norms. And we've seen Mitt Romney, we've seen Liz Cheney, we've seen George W. Bush today. You know, we, we've seen actually, uh, you know, Mitch McConnell gave a speech today on the floor of the Senate talking about demo- democracy and how elections It was pretty work. good. And so- it was pretty good. And so I think we have to we have to be really clear in saying even people whose policies we often criticize and who I personally think have have not been vocal enough during the past 4 years and stopped stopped a lot of the problems that we've seen. I still believe that there is a that there is this line of, you know, a number of Republicans really believing deeply in the Constitution, current Republican elected leaders, I mean, believing deeply in the Constitution and thinking that this is absolutely abhorrent. And so the question is what happens to that? Like tomorrow, does that go away, or you know, tomorrow do they take a stand against Trump? And yeah, I mean, and who try knows if stop, there's an inflection um, point? Yeah, or not. And by the way, I want to make clear. And what does I'm, it mean for I'm the not, next elections? I'm yeah. not applauding Mitch McConnell in any way. I'm just saying that against the backdrop of how he has acted and what he has done, and against the backdrop of some of his colleagues, you know, continuing to be mendacious about what happened in the election, and Craven, you know. It was it was at least something to hear him Look, stand and we up talk for this about idea this. of not stealing elections. You know that. I'm, so I'm not giving and, yeah, him too and, much credit. And you're right. <laughs> and we should remind ourselves of this that we always say you don't get points for doing the right thing. And so you know, I'm I just I my point on uh, McConnell's he did what he should have done today, and a number of other Republicans did what they should have done. Um, and the fact that all of them did not, and that you know this this sort of ex, you know this sort of um, I don't even know what to call it. What what Holly and and Cruz this insurrection that they were trying to lead today. I mean the you know the goal was in I think to overturn you know a free and fair election and that's been the president's goal. And so I think I think it's really important to call to call that out. So I think look I think it was a in some ways one of the worst days in modern times for American democracy, but also a good day because power has shifted. It will inevitably shift uh, in a concrete way very soon. We had, by the way, we had a very strong statement from Joe Biden, who appeared, you know, incredibly presidential, said all the right things. Uh, in in a in a moment of of flourish, I think I tweeted that it was his best and most important speech to date. And in some ways, maybe it was. And he was the president today, not Donald Trump. So we will be focusing on the aftermath. We will be looking at what happens with the objections, which are continuing into the night this evening. We'll be looking to see if people get arrested and on what kinds of charges and talk a lot more about it on the Cafe Insider podcast next week. Thanks, Anne. Thanks, Reed.
That's it for this week's Cafe Insider Podcast. Your hosts are Preet Bharara and Ann Milgram. The executive producer is Tamara Sepper. The senior producer is Adam Waller. The technical director is David Tattashore. And the cafe team is Matthew Billy, David Kurlander, Sam Ozer-Staden, Noah Azulai, Nat Wiener, Jake Kaplan, Calvin Lord, Jeff Eisenman, Chris Boylan, Sean Walsh, and Margot Maley. Our music is by Andrew Dost. Thank you for being a part of the Cafe Insider community.